Welcome to Brave Church. Thanks for listening today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. We're a multi-site church based in the Bay Area. You can get more information by going to brave.church. We hope this teaching helps you find and follow Jesus. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Brave Church. How you doing? All right, here we go. Hey, today is our annual Snow in the Bay event. Uh, We're really excited about it. So we've got a little bit shorter service planned, uh, but we're just glad to have you with us. My name is Samuel Laws. I have the honor of serving as our lead pastor. And I thought it'd be fun just as we we get started here, because we're a multi-site church in San Francisco, San Ramon, and Dublin. So I thought it'd be awesome to show some photos. So here's the snow in San Francisco, oh yeah. And San Francisco has, has two services today, so this is their first time having a, a 9 and a 10.30. We love you, San Francisco. Hit Pastor Al with a snowball for me. Just hit him, hit him in the face with a snowball. <laughs> uh, yeah, wouldn't that be, we want a video of that. And then here's the snow coming in San Ramon. And uh, yeah, and Pastor Josh did not get the follow the instructions and uh, got a little uh, <laughs> blasted. So there we go. And then, hey, let's show the snow <laughs> in, uh, in Dublin as well. We're having a lot of fun with the snow in Dublin. It is uh, a nice little hill that you can sled down. So, hey, if it's your first Sunday with us here at Brave, We think it's okay for church to be fun, okay? We like to have fun. And we're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, I just want you to know a little bit about our church. Brave Church is a place for helping people find and follow Jesus. Whether you're new to faith, whether you're exploring faith, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, okay, regardless of your political views, whether you're religious or non-religious, hey, everyone is welcome here. Every week, we come together as a community. We sing songs of worship, and we look at scripture. We look at God's word. We believe the Bible is the inspired word of God, and it gives us guidance for how we can really best live our lives. And so maybe that's not what you believe, and that's okay. Okay, my hope, though, is that if you keep coming back, you're going to experience the love of Jesus, but you're also going to see the wisdom of God's ways for yourself. And so during this month of December, we have been in a teaching series called Peace on Earth. And each week, we've been looking at a different enemy of peace. And so today, we're going to look at one of the biggest enemies of peace, and that is anger. Okay? If you don't have peace in your own life, in your own heart, then the the peace that we pray for, the peace that we hope for, whether it be uh, peace in the Middle East, peace in our country, like none of that's going to happen if it doesn't start with us, if it doesn't start with peace in our lives and peace in our families. And so anger is a huge deterrent from that because you cannot be at peace and be angry. They, they can't happen at the same time. Um, it used to be that people thought of anger as like there's two kinds of people, okay? People who get angry and people who don't. Kind of like Niners fans and Seahawks fans, right? Winners and losers. We all know, right? 
Okay, but that's the traditional view that there's some personality types that just erupt in anger, their face gets red, other people are just kind of more go with the flow. Uh, But that's not true. The truth is everyone gets angry. We just express it in different ways. And anger is not good for you. It can literally increase the likelihood for heart disease because anger results in the increased production of stress hormones called, (coughs) excuse me, called catecholamines. And these hormones, they increase your blood pressure. They play a role in the development of artery clogging, which over the course of many years can cause heart disease. And, And did you know within two hours of an angry outburst, the chances of a heart attack or stroke skyrocket? Okay, so anger is a problem, and it doesn't come out of nowhere, okay? It's not an original emotion. Some people aren't just born angry, and other people aren't. Uh, the late pastor and author, Tim Keller, he said this, in, an, in, in its incor- uncorrupted origin, anger is actually a form of love. It's actually a form of love, because anger is love in motion, trying to protect something that you really care about. And so in many ways, anger can be right. Like when the delivery guy's speeding down the street and your kids are outside playing, you get angry. And it's normal to get angry about that because your children are in danger. When we look at problems in the world, when we look at the innocent lives that have been lost in Gaza or the Ukraine, those are good reasons to get angry. It's unbelievably horrible. But if we're honest, as much as there are right situations for our anger, most of our anger isn't connected to possible dangers for our children or the problems of the world, okay? Most of our anger is about other things. It's about misplaced loves. These are things that we love that don't love us back. Things that we're trying to protect, that we're trying to guard in our lives that we can't control. Okay, when we love some things too much, it triggers anger, and this is the kind of anger that hurts us. Uh, This is when we love control. This is when we love power. This is when we love money. This is when we love, this is anything that we love that is not good for us or good for the people around us. And this time of year is really unfair because there are so many things that already shorten our fuses, that cause us to be a little on edge, a little over, overprotective of things, right? And the next thing you know, you're angry and you don't wanna be angry. You wanna be joyful, right? You wanna have peace. One of my favorite Christmas movies is Christmas Vacation. Any Christmas Vacation fan, okay? I just think it's hilarious, but that I, I, the older I am, the more I go, why did they let me watch that when I was a kid, right? Like, that makes no sense. Like, a lot of the jokes just went over my head. But really, if you think about it, this, this movie is about a guy named Clark Griswold, and it's played by Chevy Chase. And it's really just a movie of him, like, reacting in anger to all kinds of situations, right? Just getting really upset. And there's this one scene where he's talking to a family member. And, and he says, can I refill your eggnog for you? Can I get you something to eat? Can I drive you out to the middle of nowhere and leave you for dead? <laughs> Anybody thought that yet this holiday season? Okay, we can be real around here. Here's the deal. If we're not careful when we're stressed out and our emotions are high during this holiday season, something's going to push us over the edge and we're going to say something we regret or we're going to do something we regret. And on the other side, of those regretful words and actions, we're gonna feel ashamed. We're gonna be sad 
Because anger feels good in the moment, but it leaves us feeling ashamed. Like, like scratching an itch, not realizing how deep you've been scratching. Maybe you've cut yourself. Next thing you know, there's going to be a scar. There's going to be something left over as a reminder of going too far. You don't want momentary stress to do long-term damage to your relationships this Christmas. Okay, so today's passage is going to give us two keys to dealing with anger, two things that we can all put into practice this week. We're going to be in James chapter 1, starting in verse 19, if you want to follow along. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. The first key to dealing with anger is number one, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. If you struggle with anger, one of the best things you can do is be quick to listen. Because anger wants to be heard, right? Anger wants to get its two cents in. Like, and all this does is add fuel to the fire. I saw a meme yesterday a friend posted, and it said, if someone tries to tell me to take it down a notch, that guarantees an increase of five notches, because I will not be denotched. <laughs> know anybody like that? <laughs> the smartest thing you can do when you're angry isn't kick it up a notch. That's not going to help, okay? It's to stop talking. But that's not what we do when we're seeing red. We want to get our words in. What if you didn't, though? What if you tried a new approach? How's that working out for you? What if you just stopped talking? And that's why James says be quick to listen, because anger stems from not really hearing other people, not really hearing their words, their perspective, what they really meant. Um, so maybe practicing listening could give you a greater capacity for dealing with your anger. Maybe you don't, don't start by practicing listening to someone you're angry with, but you just start in general by going, I'm going to be a better listener. And listen, that's going to have a positive impact on every relationship, and it's going to give you a greater capacity for the people that are harder to hear. According to James, being ready to listen is an opposite action to anger. Angry speech in the ancient Jewish culture and non-Jewish culture, angry speech was a sign that someone lacks wisdom. When people are just going off and saying this, that, and the other, it was like a sign that they don't understand some things, that they, don't, that they don't see from other points of view. Because angry speech, really what it does, it creates an alliance with false facts that disturb the soul. The more you feel something and the more you say it out loud, the more you believe it's true, even if it's not. Because feelings equal facts to most people. So one of the solutions, if you want to give your temper less power, isn't to try really hard not to be angry. It's try really hard to listen well. And I know that this isn't complicated, right? Elementary kids can understand this point. Be quick to listen, right? But, but just because something's simple, don't miss how hard it is. Don't miss how important it is. If you, want, if you hear this and you do nothing, you get nothing out of it. And see, the writer of, of James, James, he understood this, and that's why he explains immediately that there's a problem that we've got to be aware of with a parable. He says, consider the foolish person who looks carefully in the mirror and then forgets what they look like. 
when they walk away. And it's the same problem for you and I as we can hear truth, we can hear wisdom, but then we can leave or we can wake up tomorrow and forget it all together. So this is your reminder when things get out of hand this week and you start to feel angry to ask yourself, hey, am I being quick to listen? Is that my starting point? Okay, being quick to listen, it's not just hearing, it's hearing and doing because hearing and doing goes hand in hand. When you don't listen enough, you're angry more often. Anger's a sign of not listening enough. And it's inevitable because you're, you're hearing too much of your own thoughts. It's an echo chamber, a self-fulfillment, right? You're hearing your thoughts as you speak them over and over again, and these affirm them to be true to you. And this is why we need other people. This is why we need community, because we need to hear truth from other people's experience, from, from other people's perspective, or the truth that, that they know in Scripture, Psychologist Clay Drinko, he reports on uh, people's perceptions about their listening skills versus reality. And he writes in one survey, 96% of respondents said they always or sometimes are good listeners. Um, However, another study says that we only retain half of what we hear just after we've heard it. Further on, he talks about how there's really just this massive disconnect between what we perceive our listening skills to be and our actual listening skills. For example, there's a a TED Talk, a famous TED Talk by Julian Treasure called How to Speak So People Will Listen. This TED Talk has 47 million views. This same person also did another TED Talk called Five Ways to Listen Better. That one has less than 10 million views. Because in general, we're more interested in being heard than hearing. This is how people are, and that's a problem. So we often spend our listening time thinking about what we're going to say next. Or just listening, but not really listening at all. Just kind of tuning people out. When Marcy and I, my wife, when we first got married, um, I I talked a lot, and she was kind of surprised. She's like, I've never lived with a guy who talks so much. And, And I said, well, I'm a communicator. This is what I do. And then guess what? She started tuning me out. And I didn't know you could just tune people out like that. And I was kind of bothered by it. (laughs) Turns out it's not that hard. Hopefully you guys aren't tuning me out yet, okay? But like, I had to learn to listen. I had to be a better listener. And deep listening takes work. It's immersive. It requires a lot of energy. And it's a very loving thing to do. One of the most loving things you can do for someone is to listen to them deeply and understand. Even if you don't agree. When you understand someone's perspective, it just gives you more empathy and more grace. All your focus has to be on the other person. You can't think about yourself. And you're listening, and you're you're looking for body language, and you're looking for words, and you're going, what are the words behind these words? What are they really trying to say? And when people don't do this, when we don't listen to one another, that's when misunderstandings happen, missing each other, missing each other's heart. And anger is a lot more likely to take place because we just aren't seeing eye to eye. Uh, There's a story about a preacher who went to Africa and he was speaking at a seminary there and he was just really amazed by how attentive the students were. And so he went to lunch afterwards with the dean and the dean asked him, he said, hey, what was it like speaking here versus speaking in the US? And he said, well, it was great. They like really paid attention. They were very, very kind, very polite. And so then then he said, well, there's something 
that, that describes what you experienced. In Africa, we have a proverb for everything, and we even have one for that. And he goes, what do you mean? He said, well, in Africa, we say that when you see two Africans talking, you see one person speaking and one person listening. And in America, you see one person speaking and one person waiting to speak. In Africa, we listen. I mean, imagine what it would do for our relationships if we just got better and more committed to being quick to listen before we speak. Now, the second key to dealing with anger, and this goes hand in hand, number two, be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. The idea here is that if you're quick to listen and you're slow to speak, your words aren't just going to be grounded in your impulses, your opinions, your feelings, your offenses. No. Like when you're, when you're slow to speak and quick to listen, if you do both of these things, your words will carry weight because they've gained the mind of God, because they've been filtered by truth. They've been filtered by the spirit. And these are the kinds of words that become wise. They can bring healing. They can create peace. They're helpful. They're restorative. They're redemptive. Your words have a direction. They're going somewhere. If your words are uh, giving life, they're going to be constructive. They're going to give hope. They're going to be encouraging. I'm not saying that you're always a glass half full person. I'm not saying that you're always positive. But if you think about your words in the moments that they matter, where are they leading? What are they creating? What are they building? Are they giving hope? Are they, are, they could be words of wisdom, instruction, correction, all of these things. But when your words are going the, in the direction of death, death in relationships, death in your marriage, death in your family, when your words are consistently going in that direction, they look like anger. They look like gossip. They look like jealousy. They look divisive. They look like judgment. They look like condemnation. And so what direction are your words headed? If you're quick to listen and slow to speak, they're going to move more in the direction of love. Love for yourself and love for others. There's a story by a, a lawyer and a New York Times bestseller. His name is Bob Goff. And I read it like a year ago. And it just really stood out to me. I love this story. He talks about how when his kids were little, that he would always come home with pinatas, like any excuse he had, not just birthdays. Sometimes he'd bring home a pinata just because it's Saturday. And so he'd come home with these, these unicorns and zebras and you know all these different shapes and stuff. And the next thing you know, they're, they're cracking it open, running through the grass, hunting for Starburst. And their family, they just had so much fun. But then he shares this profound insight that the more opportunities we have as adults to blow it, the more other people's responses remind us of pinatas, okay? Because when people erupt into fits of rage or surprise us with tenderness, when we know they've been hurt, we get to see what's inside them. We get to see what pours out when they break, we see what they're made of. Now, hopefully it's not with a baseball bat, but at some point in life, you're going to be broken. At some point in life, it happens to all of us because we are all broken people. And so we're all a little broken. And when we make mistakes, we see how people respond to us. At some point, somebody's going to get really close to you. They're going to have your heart. And they're going to let you down in some way or another. And it's going to hurt. And when this happens, you're either going to explode in anger 
or show a steady stream of love. Like a pinata, something's gonna pour out of you. So the question for all of us today is what pours out? I'll never forget the birth of our third child. Um, and not for reasons that I would have thought, okay? Not all for reasons that I'm proud of. Um, it was May 26th, and Marcy was about a week from her due date, and I was scheduled to have my second COVID vaccine. Now, my first COVID vaccine, I had no reaction. I was good. You guys see where this is headed? <laughs> so 1, 1.30 in the morning, uh, we're, we're, she's having contractions, we're headed to the hospital. I call the hospital there in Walnut Creek. I said, hey, we're on our way. They said, hey, we don't have any room for you. I said, I'm not delivering this baby. They said, no, we're gonna redirect you. I said, no, 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 we're going there. Like, this is where we had our first two. We know the drill. They said, no, you can't come here. I said, what happens if I do? <laughs> They said, no, you're being redirected. So then by the time we got to the other hospital in Oakland, somebody must have given them a heads up because they pulled me aside. Listen, guys, it's late at night. I'm tired. Did I mention I had my second COVID vaccine? Right? So then next thing you know, it's worse. Like we're in a waiting room and Marcy's contracting. It's really intense. We're getting closer and I feel like I'm dying. So she's asking for medicine. I'm asking for medicine. They won't give me any medicine because I'm not in labor. I'm not a patient, right? But then I tell the nurses, like, hey, I, I have my second COVID vaccine, and I'm really sick. And they said, well, they had some compassion for me. They gave me a pillow. They gave me a blanket. Just enough rope to hang myself. <laughs> the next thing you know, I'm dead asleep. I wake up, and uh, we're past the point where I could go get her some food, <laughs> and she could eat. And so we fought about that. That was not good. We got through the birth, and then, like, I didn't put the car seat in right. And there's all these things we're fighting about, right? And really what happened is uh, what was meant to be a beautiful, perfect, amazing day, other than the pain of labor, was not, okay? She couldn't understand why I would get my COVID vaccine on that day. I couldn't understand why she couldn't understand that I didn't know she was gonna have the baby that day, <laughs> right? Like, like, she couldn't understand why I wasn't the perfect, amazing super dad I was at our first two births. I couldn't understand why she didn't get that I was dying, right? I thought I was going to die, okay? It, it, the whole thing was a mess, and, you know, we've worked through it. It's been a few years, um, but I look back on that, right, and I'm just like, you know, this is not how these days are supposed to be. Here's the deal. Anger can take away from even the best days that are meant to bring the most joy. Anger can ruin a holiday. It can ruin a birthday. It can ruin a wedding day an anniversary, graduations, name any special day and anger can try to ruin it, okay? You can't control other people. This Christmas, this Christmas Eve, whatever you have planned, there are people that are gonna be there that you cannot control. This is your pep talk, are you guys hearing this? Okay, you're not gonna be able to control, but you don't have to add fuel to the fire. You can be quick to listen and slow to speak, and that's how you deal with anger quick to listen, and slow to speak. So when you get hit by something, love pours out. You know, we're gonna be outside playing in the snow after this, and you might get hit in the face with a snowball by some kid you don't know. Be slow to speak, right? <laughs> Somebody might cut you in line. You might be upset about how the lines work. Be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, and fast to read, <laughs> because the instructions were all on the Eventbrite. Um, <laughs> 
We're going to pray. If you bow your heads and join me. God, I pray that we would be filled with your love, that we would be filled with your love so that when we get hit, love comes flowing out of us. We need more love in our families. We need more love in our relationships. And so we commit to that. But before we close, I just want to ask a question. I'm not going to have you stand or come forward, but wherever you're joining us from, if you would like to receive the gift of Jesus, if you would like to receive salvation today to make him Lord of your life, to make him your savior, the one who gives you the strength to surrender your anger. I'm not going to have you stand or come forward, but if you'd raise your hand so that we can pray for you. Only myself and the campus pastors are looking right now. Just go ahead and raise up your hand. And amen, amen. And just agree with this prayer as I pray it. Dear Jesus, today I make you Lord of my life. Today I, I surrender all the things that maybe I've been trying to control, the things that have just not been working out, but maybe the way I've been living my life on my terms, today I surrender my life to you. I don't have everything figured out, but I'm ready to take the next step. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.